Hello, and welcome to the next episode of How Good It Is, the show that takes a closer look at songs from the rock and roll era, and we check out some of the stories behind those songs and the artists who made them famous. My name is Claude Cole, and sometimes it's almost like I know what I'm doing. Remember to check out the website, howgooditis.com, and the Twitter and the Instagram, and of course, the Facebook page, which you can find over at facebook.com slash howgooditispod. Here's a neat bit of trivia for you today. During the uh, body of the show today, we're going to talk about an unusual musical instrument that's often mistaken for something else. And that got me to thinking about another song that has a musical instrument that's kind of hard to identify. So I want you to listen to this clip. It's from Walter Egan's 1977 hit, Magnet and Steel. Now, I've equalized the clip a little bit to help emphasize the higher frequency, so it might sound a little bit odd, but I wanted to make it a little bit easier for you to hear the instrument. So listen for the tink, 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 tink sound here. Got that? That's the instrument that I want you to identify. Let me give it to you one more time. know what I thought it was, and I was wrong, wrong, wrong. So what instrument is that? I'll have that answer to that question near the end of the show. I, I've, been, I've seen several places, including a quotation from John Lennon himself, that the Electric Light Orchestra is what the Beatles would have sounded like if they had kept on going in the 1970s. And I tend to agree with that assessment, even if Jeff Lynne kind of put his foot on the scale a little bit when he worked on the anthology si- singles in the mid-90s. But This comparison takes on extra weight because Mr. Blue Sky, the song we're looking at today, was in particular compared to a bunch of different Beatles tracks after it was released. Let me tell you something. When this double album, Out of the Blue, was released in 1977, it created a bit of a sensation with the advanced sales and the TV ad. Yes, kids, sometimes record labels aired commercials for new albums. And it showed the ELO spaceship for the first time. And I got a copy as a birthday gift in early 19. 1978, by which time there had been three singles from the album released, so this was clearly a big deal by then. And I think I listened to that album for a few months, solid, rarely left my turntable. And despite that, there are a few things I didn't catch, but I'm going to get to those shortly. Now, before we talk about Mr. Blue Sky, we need to talk about that entire side of the album. Side three of Out of the Blue was essentially a rock and roll suite of songs called concerto for a rainy day and while all of the songs are connected to one another they were recorded and mastered as four separate tracks on the album each track addresses the weather and how it's going to affect your mood the first two tracks standing in the rain and big wheels both take place in rainstorms but by the third track summer and lightning well it looks like the sky's about to clear and finally we get to mr blue sky where the sun finally breaks through and everything is wonderful again and similarly The tone of the songs goes from somber to bright and peppy. 
Jeff Lynn explained that he wrote most of Out of the Blue and the Concerto for a Rainy Day when he was holed up in a Swiss chalet in Munich. Uh, he was looking for something to follow up a New World Record, their previous album. He told the BBC, It was dark and misty for two weeks, and I didn't come up with a thing. Suddenly the sun shone, and it was, Wow, look at those beautiful Alps. I wrote Mr. Blue Sky and 13 other songs in the next two weeks. But it's not just the weather theme that's tying stuff together. Because if you listen in on the beginning of Standing in the Rain, oh, and you are, the first thing you hear when the song starts in earnest is a crash of thunder. But it's not thunder you're hearing in this case. In fact, it's keyboardist Richard Tandy announcing the concerto for a rainy day through a ring modulator. Listen in. What's a ring modulator, I hear you asking? And I'm glad you did. A ring modulator is a signal processor that takes the input of a a signal, usually a guitar or a synthesizer, and it uses that input to modify a carrier signal that can't be heard. The two tones together create a kind of metallic robotic sound. The frequency of the carrier determines what that final output is going to sound like. So, for instance, if you took this sound... and you run it through a ring modulator, which is set at 2.5 kilohertz, it comes out like this. So nowadays, ring modulation is actually built into synthesizers. But anyway, they took uh, Tandy's voice, they popped it through a ring modulator, and they got that. That said, some of the thunder and rain noises were in fact recorded by Jeff Lynne from just outside that chalet in Munich. Likewise, at the end of Standing in the Rain, We hear Tandy again through the ring modulator, setting us up for the next track by reciting some of that song's lyrics. He's saying the big wheels keep turning, they turn forever and ever. And with almost no break in between, we're into the next track, Big Wheels. Now, Big Wheels ends again with Tandy saying Big Wheels through the uh, ring modulator. And again, it's a very tight jump to Summer and Lightning. The songs are actually starting to lighten up a little bit in their tone. Now, Summer and Lightning doesn't have any modulated voices, but it does pretty much segue into Mr. Blue Sky as it fades out, leaving behind the sound of static which then gives way to a piano and a radio announcer, both with the lows equalized out to sound kind of tinny. The announcer tells us it's going to be a sunny day, and suddenly we're back into full fidelity sound, and we're carried along down this bouncy, happy road. Bopping like I was? 
So anyway, as I mentioned earlier, Mr. Blue Sky as a track was directly compared to the Beatles. In fact, it was compared to several different Beatles tracks, including the general happiness of Martha My Dear, the complexity of A Day in the Life, the hypnotic effects of I Am the Walrus, the bass line of Hello Goodbye. I have even seen a very academic analysis of the song's harmonics, comparing the first four chords and harmonic rhythm with Yesterday. Seriously, it's insane how deep this document goes, and I have to admit that because I'm no musicologist, I barely understood half of it. Now, electronic voices come back to the concerto, but this time it's a regular vocoder that Richard Tandy is using. In the bridge of the song, uh, Tandy sings Mr. Blue Sky a few different ways, but I also need to call your attention to the other thing going on there, and throughout the record, really. You might notice a cowbell sound being used to emphasize the transitions through each segment of the record. But that's not a cowbell. Believe it or not, that's Bev Bevan banging on the side of a fire extinguisher with his drumstick. And if you watch videos of the band in action, you might catch him banging on an honest-to-goodness fire extinguisher. Have a listen. And once again, one of the things that really struck me about the song is something that struck another reviewer. Dominic King from the BBC noted that what he called the musical ambush at 2 minutes and 51 seconds is just thrilling. Listen in as Jeff Lynne sings the words, I'll remember you this way, and there's no pause between that and the last chorus. Tell us why I just love that. And the other thing that King and I both liked is the last segment, which he described as a swingle singers slash RKO Tarzan movie slash Rachmaninoff symphonic finale. King described it as kitsch yet truly exhilarating. The song was the second single from Out of the Blue, and while it was a top 10 single in the UK, it only made it to number 35 on the Billboard Hot 100 chart here in the US. In fact, when I got the album in February of 1978, I wondered when this was going to be released as a single. Turns out it had already come and gone, and it just didn't get much airplay in my part of the country. But the song met a similar chart fate in Canada, Ireland, and Germany, and it only peaked at number 87 in Australia. In 2012, Jeff Lynne went back into his home studio, and he re-recorded this and a bunch of other ELO tracks, and that was the source material for the album Mr. Blue Sky, the very best of Electric Light Orchestra. But this part of the song is missing from that album. And likewise, nearly all of the orchestra part of Electric Light Orchestra is missing, with a credit for string arrangements made to Mark Mann. The fact is, Out of the Blue is pretty much the last time Jeff Lynne used Mick Kaminsky, Hugh McDowell, and Melvin Gale to record the string parts, although they do appear in some subsequent videos. Ever since the reformation of ELO in 2014, the orchestral end of things remains sadly lacking. Oh, and the electronic voice comes back here at the end of the song when we hear Richard Tandy closing out side three of the album.
Most people hear that as a heavily distorted Mr. Blue Sky, but in fact, he's saying, please turn me over. Remember, this was in the heyday of vinyl records, and so he's telling you it's time to flip the record over so you can listen to side four. So let's do that. We'll flip the record over, and we're going to drop the needle on side four so I can finish out this thing. Okay, so what's left? Uh, the song has been covered a few times. In 1998, it was a band called Nerf Herder, which gave it a little bit of a punky edge. In 2014, a teenager named, Ta- named Connie Talbot, who got her fame from the Britain's Got Talent TV show, recorded it on her album, and Weezer released their cover in 2019. They're all pretty faithful to the original, although none of them appeared to think that the fire extinguisher was necessary. And, of course, the song has been used in a bunch of TV shows, including as the theme to a short-lived NBC series called LAX. Plus, it's appeared in about a dozen films, perhaps most famously in the opening credits of the 2017 film Guardians of the Galaxy 2, where a dancing baby Groot works his way through a huge alien battle. And, weirdly, it's played before the start of every Birmingham City football club match. Now, that team's nickname is the Birmingham Blues, and it's weird because Jeff Lynne, who is a big fan of the team, wrote a song on the same album that was meant to be homage called Birmingham Blues. So why Mr. Blue Sky? Yeah, possibly because the fans connect the song to former player-turned-manager Trevor Francis, who was supposed to be a friend of Jeff Lynne. And finally, in 2018, researcher uh, Jacob Jolige did some research. He studied over 100 songs from the past 50 years, plus he surveyed over 2,000 people, and through his research, he determined that Mr. Blue Sky is the world's happiest song. This is something we're going to revisit in a future show, I think. And now it's time to answer today's trivia question. Back on page two, I asked you about the instrument that Walter Egan uses in the chorus of Magnet and Steel. Let's hear the clip once more without all the equalization. guess glockenspiel because that's what i thought it was for a long time but in fact what we have there is steve haig playing a toy piano specifically he's playing a very professionally made piano built by a company called schoenhut which specializes in pro-grade toy musical instruments built for children i couldn't discover which model he used but schoenhut pianos run anywhere from about 100 to 300 dollars they've been in the business for nearly 150 years and have never had a safety violation in their entire history, making Schoenhut one of the safest toy makers ever. Oh, and while it's Steve Haig playing that piano, Walter Egan says that the idea of using it came from co-producer and backup singer Lindsey Buckingham. And that's a full lid on another edition of How Good It Is. If you're enjoying the show, please take the time to share it with someone and maybe even leave a rating somewhere. If you want to get in touch with the show, you can email me at howgoodpodcast at gmail.com or you can follow the show on Twitter or Instagram at howgooditis. You can also visit, like, and follow the show's Facebook page at facebook.com slash howgooditispod or 
you can check out the show's website, howgooditis.com, where you might find a few extra bits. Thank you, as usual, to Podcast Republic for featuring the show. And next time around, we're going to find out how good it is when the kinks invite us to come dancing. Thanks for listening. I'll talk to you next time.